This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. So pull your notes out for today's message if you'd like to do that. Uh, today I want to start, as I said earlier, this new series of messages that's going to take us through four of the five Sundays of January, where we're going to be talking uh, about um, asking the right question that will absolutely transform your life. And we've entitled the, the series, Ask It. Uh, so when you say, ask it, the immediate question that comes to your mind is, ask what? Well, what I want to do over these, over these next several weeks is give you a way of thinking about your life choices that will affect how you approach life on a day-to-day basis. Hopefully you picked up in that video that there's something important to ask about every aspect of life. If all you do is ask it about the real important things, you will, you will miss how God wants to guide and direct your life in the, the little issues of life as well. And what, what, it, what that can do to bring transformation into your life. Because more than anything, I believe God wants you to succeed in 2017. And I will tell you this, I know that I want you to succeed in 2017. So to get us going, I want you to think back today to when you were young. Now, for some of you, that's quite a journey. But um, back to when you were young, uh, maybe even a teenager, okay? And if you're like me, you went to a school or maybe you attended a church or both that had some kids in it that seemed to have every advantage over the rest of the kids that were in the school. They had maybe the looks. They were really good-looking people. Maybe they had the talent. They had the smarts, the brain power. They were, maybe they were even athletic, and so they were real popular because of that. Uh, they came from the, the right families with lots of influence and on and on and so forth. These kids had all the advantage over the rest of the kids. Now, if you're just recently out of high school or maybe still in your 20s, uh, may, maybe it's not going to be possible for you to do this assessment. But if you have a few decades under your belt, you may be able to assess whether those kids, especially if you've kept in any kind of contact with them, whether they did much with the advantage that was given to them in life. Did they use it to the optimum or not? Did they live up to the advantage or not? And with, without trying to be judgmental about it, from what I can know and see about the kids that I grew up with, along in a galaxy a long time ago and far, far away uh, that, I, that I grew up with, uh, a lot of them, I, from what appears to me, did not live up to the advantage that was given to them as kids. With all that they had going for them, many of their lives have been a disappointment, frankly, and some of them have even ended up disastrously. I will tell you, I've also noticed the opposite of that truth. Some who had little advantage growing up, and you kind of looked at them and said, oh, they don't have much hope. You know, there's, there's no advantage for them. But they have, they have nonetheless done very well with their lives and have become very successful in, in how they've approached life. And I thought to myself, why is that? Why is it that some with 
all the advantages end up squandering it. Others without advantage actually making something out of their life. Is it just luck that that's the reason that happened? Or is it being in the right place at the right time? Well, I think it's possible that that is some of it, and it might be true in some cases entirely, but what I have noticed for most people is that the people who have, have moved up in the, in the world and up, moved up in their life have, have been influential, have been what we might call successful, have learned a very important lesson in life. And that lesson is simply this, the art of asking the right question or questions. Because that art has the power to transform and change your life from failure to success. Learning how and what question to ask. Now, let's just take everyday life because that's where we all live. So it's the proverbial fork in the road. You're going a certain direction with your life and suddenly you come to a fork in the road. And, and you've either got to make a choice. You've got to go to the right or you've got to go to the left. Do you go right or do you go left? Now, in some cases, the issue may be so insignificant that it really ultimately doesn't matter because it doesn't have lasting impact up, upon your life. But in other cases, what I have noticed is that the choice that you make could impact your life for the rest of your life. That's just how important this is. And for people who have succeeded in life, it's just my observation that they have learned to discern the best options when they come to choices and decisions. Let me give you some examples. A job offer comes unexpectedly. It's exciting. Everybody wants to be wanted. And it's always fun when somebody reaches out and says, hey, we want you over here. So it's exciting. But it means uprooting your family and moving to another city, maybe even another state. Now, many people use one criteria in making a decision about a job change. Guess what it is? Money. Do I make more money or not? If it's more money, then it must be the right thing to do. I will just tell you that I have lived long enough to realize that sometimes more money does not necessarily make you happier or more fulfilled in your life. So you're down to a question. Do I accept the offer or not? Do I stay or do I go? Here's another one. Maybe you've been single for, for many years, many more years than, than you thought, certainly more years than you want, and now someone comes into your life. Is he or she the one or not? You're, you're, you're taken by the attention that you're given. But there's these faults, these things, and you know that nobody's perfect, so do you ignore them? But do you, is that the wisest thing to do? You know, is it something that you need to pay attention? Is that a warning? Is that a red flag to you? So how do you know if he or she is the one or not? 
Again, you'd like to find a better, bigger house for maybe your growing family or something. And, 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 and something, it just kind of falls into your lap, but it's more money than you wanted to spend. Do I buy it or not? Now, for people who don't know the Lord, who aren't serving Christ, it usually gets down to following their gut. How do they feel in their gut? Sometimes that works, sometimes that does not work. But for many people in the world, that's, that's all the criteria. You know, How do I feel about it? I'll move ahead based on that. But for followers of Christ, most of us realize that there's more to this than just a gut feeling. We understand that the will of God has something to do with all of this in our lives as well. But what I have observed is that even believers who are saved, they're on their way to heaven, no doubt. They want to follow the will of God with their lives, no doubt. But they can still sometimes make wrong choices that affect them adversely for years to come. Now, I say that because I've done it. As a person who loves God and wants to follow his will, I have made some stupid choices in my life. And some of those things affect us for many, many years. Now, can God, will God help restore things when we make stupid choices? Well, I'm doing a lot of observing here today. Another observation is it depends on what needs to be restored, and it depends on why we got into the mess in the first place. But laying that stuff aside, the easy answer to does God often restore us is yes. He oftentimes does restore us. Uh, when, I, when I wrote that, the first thing that came to my mind was the Old Testament prophet Jonah. I think he's a perfect example of this very thing of being restored. Most of you know his story, but if you don't, Jonah chapter 1 tells us that God wanted Jonah to go to the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, a city by the name of Nineveh, and he was called to preach to the people there. And verses 2 and 3 tell us that God told Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went the other way to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship living for, for the city by the name of Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. What a dumb idea. But that's what he did. Now, like I said, most of you know the story of Jonah, or at least you know some of it. But long story short, his rebellion against the will of God for his life ended him in the belly of a great fish, the Bible says. And it took him three days to finally learn his lesson in the belly of that fish. And when he had finally learned his lesson, God commanded the fish to regurgitate him up onto the, the shore of, of, the, of the sea, and he gets regurgitated up onto the seashore along with all the rest of the contents of the great fish's stomach, and there he lays for a while while he tries to recoup. Doesn't that sound like fun? Ooh. So yes, the answer to the question is, Jonah was restored. God does restore us out of our missteps. But that doesn't mean there's no pain associated with restoration. 
And while we may learn from uh, learn some lessons from those mistakes, again, an observation, there are often better ways to learn these lessons than to go through that kind of pain. Now, what should Jonah have done? Well, obviously, the easy answer is Jonah should have obeyed God in the first place. And that is absolutely true of us. When the will of God is really obvious, like it was in Jonah's case, that's exactly what you are to do. You obey God. And if you have trouble discerning that, you know, you come and talk with spiritual leaders that you trust, you, you, you let the word of God itself speak to you, you listen to the spirit of the Lord, all of these things come into to it. But ultimately, when you, when you know the will of God, you follow the will of God, you obey God with your life. But sometimes the will of God is not that clear. So how do we make a choice about things that seem unclear? Well, I think it's by asking a very important question. And I think this question has the power to transform 2017 for you. Do you want to know what the question is? I mean, because we can stop right now if you want and go home. How many of you want to know what the question is that can transform your... All right, very good. I am going to tell you. But before I tell you, I want to tell you what this question can do for you. We're going to get a, get a what if going here. What would you do if you could find the perfect way to approach life to avoid almost all the pitfalls that are out there and all of the stupid mistakes that you tend to make. What, what would, how much would that be worth to you? Man, it would, that would be huge. Now that's the voice of experience talking from some of you, you know, because you've lived life long enough to fall into some of those pitfalls or to make some of those stupid mistakes. And you say, oh, I'd do anything if I could not repeat that. So if there were a seminar that was going to be offered in the Salt Lake area that, that made that kind of offer to you, first of all, you'd be suspicious of it, obviously. But if you had friends who had attended the seminar themselves and they came to you and said, this thing is great, it is well worth the money to attend, how much would you sacrifice to attend that seminar? Because everybody wants to be successful in 2017. Everybody wants this to be a great year for us. We want to make wise choices. Well, I will tell you this, I don't have anything to sell you today. But I do have a perfect way to avoid nearly all the pitfalls and all the stupid mistakes. And guess what? It's found in the Bible. God's manual for right living. But before I share the question with you, I want to share the key scripture itself. Some key scripture with you. Uh, and, and it will share the power of this concept with you. First of all, from Proverbs 8, the first 11 verses. Now, I, I, for all of you who are already going to sleep, I want you to wake up. For those of you who have zoned out and you're texting your friend, I want you to untext for just a moment. Don't listen to me. I want you to listen to the power of the Word of God. All right? Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 11. Listen as wisdom calls out. Here, as understanding raises her voice, 
On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance to town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. In other words, wisdom is calling out to every one of us constantly if we will pay attention. And this is what it's saying. Verse 4, I call to you, to all of you. It's not just for some people. There's not just some preferred people that God's going to bless. To all of you, I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Verse 10, here it is. Choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge more than pure gold. Why? Because silver and gold seem pretty appealing. That'll set you up. Verse 11, for wisdom is more valuable than rubies, and nothing you, can, you desire can compare with it. Now, you know, we need to take about an hour and just meditate on those 11 verses. So I challenge you to do that when you leave this place, is just look at that and let it speak to your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Because if this is true, and I believe it is, it has the power to transform your entire life. Proverbs verse, or chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you, love you, guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. I, I think that's funny. What's the wisest thing you can do? Get wisdom. That's pretty wise. Yeah, okay. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Now, I learned this verse in the King James Version, and I love it best in the King James Version. It says this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. What is the most important thing in life? Wisdom. It's the principal thing. Why? Because it will affect absolutely everything else in your life. And with all thy getting, get understanding, Verse 8, this is new living. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. In other words, you're going to succeed. She will place a lovely wreath on your head, and she will present you with a beautiful crown. Everybody's going to see what wisdom has done in your life. So your life is a, is a walking example to everybody of either wisdom or foolishness. Everybody around you can see what your choices have produced. If you live wisely, it will be a wreath upon your head and it will crown you with a beautiful crown. In other words, people will say, wow. Now, King Solomon wrote those words. King Solomon was King David's son, David, the great king of Israel. So Solomon is his son and rises to the throne. And God appeared to Solomon one night when he was just beginning his, his reign over Israel. And God says to him, um, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon's a young man at this point. And, 
and yet he displays wisdom that he already has because when God says to him, Solomon, what do you want? He says to the Lord, I want the wisdom to be able to govern all of your people correctly and wisely. I need wisdom from, I need help from God. I hope when our new president is is sworn into office on January 20th, that he has the sense to say, God, I need your help. I don't know if he'll do that or not, but I hope in his own heart that he has the sense to say that because he cannot govern this nation apart from the help of Almighty God. I don't care what party it is, doesn't matter. You've got to have God's help. Anyway, so Solomon says, God, I need your help, uh, and, and, and I ask you to make me wise. And, and so I thought to myself, what would I have done at, say, age 22 or 25 if God would have appeared to me in the middle of the night in a dream and said to me, Jim, ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Because that's what happened to Solomon. I wonder how stupid I would have been. (laughs) I wonder if I would have had the sense to say, God, I need wisdom to fulfill your call upon my life. At any rate, that's what Solomon did. And God said to Solomon, because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for wealth and you didn't ask for victory over your enemies, I am going to give you wisdom. But guess what? Along with your wisdom, you will receive wealth and victory over your enemies. And what I want you to see, folks, is that is exactly what wisdom does in the, in the lives of people. It, it initially doesn't seem very valuable, but what it produces down the road will be something so far beyond what you ever could have achieved had you been given the wealth of gold or of silver or of rubies in the first place. I could go on and on about the power the simple power, the simple concept. But here's how the Apostle Paul put it in Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like, what? Fools. But like those who are wise and make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. There's only one way you're going to make the most of Monday. It's if you have the wisdom of God backing your decisions on Monday. So from all of what we've shared from Proverbs and the book of Ephesians, and folks, the Bible is loaded with these kinds of scriptures. I could have given you so many more. From all of that, here's the question. Do you want to hear the question? All right. Before I tell you, you need, to, you, need to, you need to understand that you've got to ask this question. It's not going to seem deep, but it is. You've got to ask this about everything that you want to do and every decision you need to make in this new year. And here it is. I'm going to give it to you right now. What is the wisest thing to do? I'm going to give you a sentence. a a chance to write that down. What is the wisest thing to do? Now, if you did not write that down, you are a fool. You need to write that question down. Say, I'll remember it. No, you won't. You need to write it down. What is the wisest thing to do? Now, you'll notice 
that this is not dealing with what's right or wrong. What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong? That's not the question. Obviously, as a believer, you always do what's right. But there can, on occasions, be several options of right. Several things that can, can prove to be right. So we're not talking simply about what's right or wrong. And we're not talking about what's legal or illegal. Again, as believers, we always follow the law unless the law of the land is in direct, directly contradictory to the law of God, the word of God, in which case, as a believer, I'm going to follow God, not the law of the land. But there are a lot of things that are legal in America that will not necessarily lead you to a fulfilled life or a successful life or to happiness in your life. So this is the question. Not what's right versus what's wrong, not what's legal versus what's illegal, and it's not even a matter of what you like versus what you don't like. It's not a preference issue. The question is, what is the wisest thing to do? Now, if you answer that question correctly, it will keep you a year from now from looking back and saying, how in the world did I end up here? It'll keep you from asking, how could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so foolish? Now, in 2004, a man by the name of Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down in Atlanta, Georgia, wrote a book called Ask It, and he is the inspiration behind the series that I'm bringing to you this month. So over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how we can make our lives successful and how we can learn to ask this very important question about every aspect of our lives, what is the wisest thing to do? Now, before we end today, I want to give you four reasons why I believe we need to ask this question, why this question is so important. Well, actually, it's three questions, or three reasons and, and one observation. So number one, question number one, or answer number one, I should say. We need to ask this question because we're easily self-deceived. We are easily self-deceived. The Bible warns us in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. No, do what it says. That verse is telling us that even as believers, we can be deceived. Now, it's speaking about not allowing your faith to be lived out. That's the context of what it's talking about. But the, the point is, there is, deception does not go away because you give yourself to Christ. You can make stupid decisions even though you're a believer. Now, you may have never thought about that before, but the truth is, all of us are easily deceived. And the reason for that is because we are masters, all of us are, at twisting things in our minds to justify what we think or what we want to do. We can twist it. And our culture has made it extremely easy for us to do this very thing. And one way our culture has made this easier is by promoting a victim mentality among the people, among people in our culture. Have you noticed that nobody's responsible for their actions anymore? Have you noticed that? So a wife cheats on her husband, and it's all right because he should have paid more attention to her. Or a man cheats on his taxes and he justifies it because he didn't get the raise that he was expecting and was promised. Or a kid cheats at school 
and it's okay because the teacher was expecting too much of him. On and on and on we could go, where we justify, we justify, we justify our, our and, and, and we build in us a, a victim mentality. Now, do employers take advantage of their employees? Certainly that happens. But that doesn't mean that we can cheat others to make up for it. Is life sometimes unfair? Certainly it is. But that doesn't excuse us living our lives in a way that hurts other people. And this victim mentality that American culture is promoting today will sink you into a, a, a lie of self-destruction and self-deception. That's why you've got to ask the question, and you're asking the question of the Holy Spirit, what is the wisest thing for me to do? Second reason we need to ask the question is we are easily influenced by the crowd, by pop culture. How you live out your faith is important to God. So that's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 tells us, lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So what that is saying is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called by God to live by a higher standard than the world, than the crowd does. Paul says here that we are to live in a way that is worthy of our calling. Now, I find that word calling very interesting. In fact, if you know the book of Ephesians, the word calling is throughout the book of Ephesians. It talks about our calling. And so Paul says, live your life worthy of your calling. What calling is he talking about? Here he's talking about the calling to be children of God. In other words, you have been called by God to take on a new identity and a new lifestyle. We are to start looking and acting like we belong to Jesus, not like we're still in the world. We don't show up on Sunday and go through our spiritual thing and then go out and live however we want the rest of the week. That will not work. If what happens in here doesn't affect what happens out there, then what happens in here is worthless and of no benefit to you. So it really doesn't matter what pop culture says is right or wrong or acceptable, and it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says is right or acceptable or legal or whatever. We are to live by a higher standard according to God's word, and that's why we've got to ask ourselves, Holy Spirit, what is the wisest thing for me to do? The third reason we need to ask the question is that we focus on all the wrong questions in life. We often ask questions like, is there anything wrong with it? And the assumption is that if there is nothing wrong with it, it must be okay. Or some believers, I've heard them ask, can I do this and still get to heaven? So their aim is to get as close to the line between heaven and hell as possible without crossing it so they can experience as much of the world and still make it to heaven. It's like, how close can I get to sin without actually sinning? And another way of saying it would be, how far over the line between right and wrong can I go without experiencing consequences? So how unethical can I be without experiencing consequences? How, how uh, dishonest can I be? How unloving can I be? How immoral can I be without experiencing consequences? I didn't do anything. It was just in my heart. So that doesn't really count. 
But Jesus said, listen, if you look upon a woman to lust, it's committing adultery with her in your heart. So apparently it does matter to God what goes on even in our hearts. Now, I, I say that these are the wrong questions because these questions that I just outlined for you, which we oftentimes ask or I've heard people ask, they miss the point. It's not a matter of what's right or wrong or heaven or hell or being blessed by God or under the judgment. It's not a matter of any of that. It's a matter of wisdom. What is the wisest thing to do in order that I might glorify God, in order that I might be a great witness for Jesus Christ in this world? What is the wisest thing for me to to do to enjoy the abundant life that God has for me in this life and eternity with him forever? And even in my mind, even more important, what's the wisest thing to do to have a growing relationship with the God of the universe? One last thought. Number four, God will give you wisdom if you ask him. If you want to know the wisest thing, God will show you. If you want to know the wisest thing to do, God will tell you. James chapter 1, verse 5 gives this promise. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. I like that. Generous God. He's not scrimping on it. He generously will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. God doesn't sit in heaven and say, that is such a stupid question. I'm not even going to honor it with a, with a response. He doesn't do that. He doesn't rebuke us when we come to him and say, God, I got to know. Look at Proverbs 3, 6. It says, seek the will of God in all that you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Seek his wisdom, and he'll guide your steps, and he'll keep you from making the stupid choice. He'll keep you from the pitfall. So I kind of look at it this way, and it comes out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where the apostle Paul says, we are God's masterpiece I believe that God desires that your life become a masterpiece that reflects his greatness to the world around you so that people look at you and they say, man, what is it about you? I mean, maybe they wouldn't be so rude as to say, you're certainly not the most advantaged person in the world. You're not the smartest person. You don't have the most talent. But look at what happens in you. Well, look at that. What is, I want people to look at me and say, oh, you know, I don't get it with him. It must be God. It must be God. So I want my life to be a masterpiece reflection of the glory of God to the world that is around me. But a masterpiece does not create itself. A master painting, a masterpiece painting, the canvas, the brush, the paint, they all yield themselves to the work of and the will of the master painter. And that was, that's what brings out the masterpiece. And I think as we begin this new year, that what each of us needs to do, whether you've done it before in your life or not, is to recommit yourself to allowing God to make a masterpiece out of you by starting with this one fundamental question that we're going to expand on in the next weeks. What is the wisest thing for me to do? Not how close to hell can I get and still make heaven, 
but what is the wisest thing for me to do so that the blessings of God, the favor of God, the abundance of God showers down upon my life, the direction of God keeping me out of those pitfalls, keeping me from those stupid mistakes. We all need to yield ourselves to the master. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.